Okairi, and welcome to the Yonsei Podcast. I'm Yoko. I'm Michelle. I'm Hito. And I'm Matt. And we are all from Nikkei Rising, and today all four of us will be your hosts. As the young adult branch of Japanese American Memorial Pilgrimages, we'll be bringing you roundtable discussions with young adults involved in and around the Japanese American community to honor our community's history and explore its implications today. For today's episode, the four of us thought it would be fun to discuss what it's like for us to be mixed race in the Japanese American community. Yeah, there's nothing like a identity crisis on a weeknight, huh? <laughs> you got that right. Well, with that said, let's get started. to kick things off, I thought it would be good if we each went around and shared a little bit about our own mixed identity. And I can go first. So I am half Japanese. I'm Yonsei on my mom's side. And then on my dad's side, I'm, you know, white, but to be more specific, Ukrainian and Norwegian. And yeah, I feel like growing up, I definitely identified more with my Japanese side, which could partly be because of the way I look, but also just because... I don't know, to me, like the Ukrainian and Norwegian stuff, it just didn't feel, it didn't hit as close to home in terms of like where I'm coming from and who I was around and what community I was actually involved in. So yeah, what, who else wants to go? I can go. Yeah, I also identify as half Japanese um, on my mom's side, Yonsei, and then my dad's side is more of a mix. Um, so I identify as, I guess, Hispanic and white. And the breakdown that I was given is kind of somewhat equal parts of Mexican, Nicaraguan, German, and Irish. But yeah, also identify more closely, I guess, with my Japanese-American side, just because I've spent a lot of time growing up around my grandparents from that side. And yeah, just, but I identify kind of like a mixed bag of all sorts and that I'm proud of that. Yeah, for my family, it's on my dad's side, I am half Ashkenazi Jew, which are European Jews who come mostly from Poland and Russia, that area, uh, former Russian Empire, but also a family that came from Germany and Britain. And on my mom's side, it gets a little more complicated. My mom is, if you want to be taking the easy route, she's half Japanese, half Chinese, uh, with some Korean and Vietnamese also thrown in there. But so I say usually I am half Jewish, a quarter Japanese, a quarter Chinese, fifth generation Gosei Japanese, and then fourth generation uh, everything else. As for myself, I identify as half Japanese and half Mexican. On my mom's side, which is my Japanese side, I'm a Shinise. So my mom came to America, but she came when she was very young. And for my dad, uh, technically I'm a third generation Mexican, but in a lot of ways, I consider myself to be second generation because shortly after my dad was born in Los Angeles, he and his family moved back to Mexico. Well, thank you everyone for sharing a little bit more about yourself. And I think that the first thing that we need to kind of address when we're having this conversation is terminology. I know that the term HAPA is really popular in our community and a lot of people who are mixed like us have found a lot of comfort in that kind of label that doesn't try to say that you're one half of something, but that, you know, you you are this one thing that is, exists and, you know, is totally legitimate. And that's been really powerful 
people. But at the same time, I know there has been a lot of controversy about that word because it does originate from Native Hawaiians who we aren't necessarily part of that community. I was wondering if anyone has anything to say about that and if they personally identify with the term hapo or they feel any type of way about other people using that term. For myself, I I grew up using the term, I think, like many of us, especially with my family being from California and my Japanese side, having been in Hawaii before moving to the States, my great-grandpa and my great-great-grandpa were born, uh, were all in Hawaii. So I think that's that plus, again, coming from California, I think that's sort of is what I grew up with and not really understanding the whole, I, my, my whole identity growing up until probably into high school, later into college. It was something that was comforting to know that I didn't always have to say I'm Japanese, Chinese, Jewish, and, and everything else. I could just say, oh, I'm Hapa, and I could be happy with that. And at least in California or at least among my family or, or my friends, they understood what that meant. And even in college, when I got to, when I got to USC, there was a club that we had that was called Hapa SC, the Hapa student community, which I, I fell in love with. I made so many amazing and wonderful friends there that I'm still friends with today. And it was an amazing community and an amazing experience. And it was a great way to, for students to get to meet people like them and to share experiences like we are now. But along with that came that discussion around the term Hapa and what it meant and what it signifies. And it is complicated and it's, something that I think the, the mixed community itself has to deal with and has to, to sort of navigate what it means and, and how that term has been used in the past and how it's being used now. And I mean, even in our club at school, uh, we did undergo that change and we felt that there was that need to go from calling ourselves Hop SC to Mixed SC, oh, which also brought about its own, yeah, which, but which also brought about its own challenges. I think in some part, we actually lost people because of it, because they felt so strongly tied to that identity of, of calling themselves Hapa. But for others, they, they grew to love it more and they ended up liking it more, having it being called Mixed SC. And I think part of that too is the kind of of Hapa being mixed Asian as well. I know for myself growing up, just not knowing what it meant and not really understanding it, I, I've always used it to mean anyone who's mixed race, mm-hmm. but that's also not technically the correct connotation of the word. Right. And I think that's the interesting thing about it. As I'm sure we'll figure out here in the next few minutes, all of us have a slightly different view and a slightly different idea of what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did grow up using it quite a bit, but I understood it to mean um, half Japanese and something else. Like I always oh. thought that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's because I had, you know, some other friends that were like half Japanese and half white or half something else. And that's what I just thought it meant. I thought it was just half Japanese and something. And I don't necessarily have any connections to the Hawaiian meaning, but I think I didn't really learn. One wasn't very commonly used in some places um, until high school when I tried to introduce myself as Hapa to my Japanese teacher. And I think she didn't really understand what I was talking about. Um, so that's when I kind of thought, oh, okay, maybe this isn't like as common. Um, and then in college, is kind of when I learned that it might have some other meanings rather rather than, you know, my, my childhood conception of the word. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand where Michelle's coming from. When I was growing up, I also thought it meant Japanese and half something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main reason being that my grandmother and my mom taught me the word when I was a kid. And whenever my grandmother would write it down, she'd write it down in katakana. So I just assumed, oh, mm-hmm. this must be a Japanese word. And obviously learning later in my life that in Japan, people who are mixed are usually defined as hafu. Mm-hmm. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. S- similar and building off of what Matt said earlier, my mom and my grandmother spent some time in Hawaii when my mom was growing up. And that was where they first heard the term and, and it became part of their, their everyday life because they dove into the Hawaiian culture. And so when they came to the mainland and I was born, they were just like, oh, you're a hapa because that's what we learned when we when we lived in Hawaii. Mm. Um, and I feel like it's, it's really interesting for those Nikkei who have those ties with Hawaii because I do have a couple of friends whose families, whose parents are from Hawaii who are Nikkei and they see the term as just a normal term that means no offense to anyone that is not problematic because it's the term that everybody uses on the islands. Yeah, I think that like to me, the most important thing is just to keep an open mind and open ears. I haven't heard a ton directly from the Native Hawaiian community, but like I think for us Nikkei who are inclined to use the word, I think it's just important to acknowledge that it wasn't always ours and it still isn't ours and to recognize that you know, if we want to be using a word from someone else's language that means something to them, we have to be really open to any input and, you know, not be defensive or territorial about something that, you know, isn't ours to be territorial about. I think, you know, for me, I first heard the word actually from the Kip Fulbeck book. So mm-hmm. it's called part Asian, 100% Hapa. So I obviously grew up just thinking of it as someone who's part Asian. And it, it was like, I remember reading that book, seeing those pictures, and it's like, it was a big deal. And like to feel like you're part of something that isn't just these fragmented things that you're like, that your identity can be encapsulated in one word. I had never heard that before. But I think that that feeling is possible without using the word. For me, it's feeling like your identity is completely valid. It's for me, not completely like tied to that word. And I am more careful now about using it and about qualifying using it. Like if I do use it, I would want to like say something about how I recognize that this is a native Hawaiian word. But yeah, so it's a super interesting conversation. We definitely need to continue it in our community with so many, especially younger generations in the Nikkei community being mixed. It's definitely something that's super important. But I want to hear a little bit from everyone about what your guys' experience growing up mixed was. I know it's really different for everyone. We we are all different mixes, which definitely factors in different generations, all that kind of stuff. So does anyone have anything they want to say about what it was like growing up mixed? Was there a time when you kind of realized that you were made up of different parts that were being labeled by people? Any stories that stand out for you growing up? I have this interesting story. Well, I guess it's not super interesting, but I think it's funny. So I guess when I first realized I was mixed when I was a kid was like first or second grade and people were telling me I think my classmates or my teacher was telling me like oh you're half Japanese and half Mexican and I never really was told that in the household because you know like in your household you just you're you are who you are and so being in class and having those classmates telling me when I was in first grade or second grade that I was half something and half something else it translated in my head as when you look at me, 
half of my features are Japanese and half of my features <laughs> are Mexican. So like the left side of my body is Japanese and the right side is Mexican. And so I went home crying that day to my family, telling them I must look pretty funky because I look like two different people. And my mom was just like, no, no, Hiro, you are a beautiful combination of the both. And I was like, half of my body is this and half of my body is that. It's like two puzzles coming coming together that don't fit. It doesn't make sense. And my mom, like, just tried her best that day to make me understand that, no, it's good to be mixed and you should be proud of your heritages and both sides are, are something to be happy about and I think from that day on I, I was very proud that I am Japanese and Mexican because I'm pretty sure after that I would always tell people like yeah I'm hero and I am <laughs> Japanese and Mexican <laughs> and but yeah that's that's when I've realized I was mixed when I was a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so cute anyone else any other memories I think for me it was when I found out that uh not many of my friends celebrated Hanukkah and those that did did not look like me mm-hmm. um I mean I, I think I said this on on the past one of the past episodes too but again growing up in Arizona with one not a very big Asian community two not a very big Jewish community weren't too many people like me and those that were were not very close to my age often Mm -hmm. so mostly who i looked up to that i saw like me were my cousins who were also mixed Mm -hmm. um i think there's there's 14 of us cousins total only i think only four of my cousins are not mixed so growing up like we all looked the same and we all saw each other so we all just thought oh everyone's like us but as i got to school and and we celebrated things like christmas and thanksgiving uh, and holidays and I saw that my friends weren't doing Chinese New Year or weren't doing Hanukkah. I was like, oh, is, is this something that not everyone does? And it wasn't, I think, a little unlike you, though. It wasn't, I wasn't like freaked out by it. I wasn't saddened by it. I was more like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I'm doing something that my friends don't get to do. And I think after a while, I saw, I saw the value in that. And I saw sort of the, the value in teaching it too, because I would invite my friends over for Hanukkah. I'd invite them to Chinese New Year. And eventually it got to the point where my mom would come into class and then she, and we would talk about what Chinese New Year was to my classmates. And we'd talk about what Hanukkah was. And we'd talk about mm-hmm. what the different parts that make up my family and why it is important to, to me as an individual, even though I was the only one in class who looked the way I did and was part of these backgrounds. And I think growing up, that made a profound impact because it, while I didn't fully understand my identity, it, it made me comfortable with it from the get-go. I think it's cool, like, the idea of both what you and Hero said made me think of this. Like, the idea of, like, being mixed, you're always told you're half this, you're half that. But I think that it actually it gives you twice as much culture yeah. or three times. Like, you, you have all these different parts of who you are. And, like, for me, it's given me, like, perspective that I never would have had because I do have this whole half of my family who are these, like, total Midwestern white people who I would have never interacted with anyone like that, you know, if they weren't my family. And I go to see them and I have, like, a little window into this whole other world. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, it's like it adds it's actually kind of like enriches your perspective it's not like oh you only are half of this you know so yeah i really like that idea uh what about you michelle do you have any any memories of forming your identity or anything like that 
I don't know. I've been trying to think of some like specific stories. I think for me, it wasn't super weird because a lot of my mom's side, of my family has mixed. There's like a lot of us, a lot of them, I guess, married mostly Caucasian or, you know, white um, mm-hmm. spouses. But on, I think that's very different than on my dad's side where, you know, my mom and then my brother and my myself were the only Asian people in any family gathering. So in that sense, like I did see that disparity and felt very much like I looked like everyone on my mom's side and then like looked a little bit out of place sometimes um, whenever I would I go. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I always kind of thought it was cool to be mixed because whenever one whenever anyone would ask me, you know, what are you? I would like be so proud and like be so excited to recite my breakdown. I'd be like, I'm half Japanese and a quarter Hispanic, a quarter, um, uh, what, a Nicaraguan, I forgot. Um, a quarter German, a quarter Irish. And I was like, wait, that's too many quarters, but an eighth. I would say like an eighth this, an eighth this, an eighth this. And I, was, I think I was like so excited that I had this memorized and like knew what I was. Um, and I say that in quotes, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it wasn't until later on, like in high school or college, when there are more like affinity groups tied to race that I really like mm-hmm. thought about it more and really got confused about my identity. Hmm. Can you say a little bit more about about that? Yeah. I mean, in, in high school, we had like a, I think just like an, a gen, general Asian group, <laughs> like Asian student coalition or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then... I, and I joined that with one of my friends and always felt like only partially welcome at the table, you know, because I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent Asian. Um, and then in similarly in, in college, there were now more broken down groups like a Japanese student group and a you know Chinese student group and um, also like a Mexican American student group. So, you know, I, I tried to kind of go to those meetings or like try to join different groups and and felt like I wasn't enough of one race or I didn't identify enough to one group that I could actually be fully welcome there and I didn't understand all the traditions that people celebrated and so I didn't know if that I if I belonged really anywhere Hmm. and I think I talked about this in a previous episode but I just like felt like I was too much of one thing but not enough of the other to be fully accepted interesting yeah I feel like I mean, in the Japanese American community, it is really common to be half at, at our generation, like all of my cousins. And I know who else said all of their cousins. Like we we're just like, with, I feel like in the Japanese American community, I've never had issues feeling accepted. But when it comes to other communities being around my half that isn't Japanese, it's just a whole other deal. Like I feel like I just end up in all these really white spaces and I feel like I'm treated as kind of like an honorary white person. Like they don't really acknowledge difference. It's like uncomfortable for them or whatever. They There's like this whole part of me that like they don't really know about or, and they don't really have any concept of what this whole part of my identity is. And they're just kind of accepting me into their little, little white world. And it's super bizarre. Lots of very strange experiences <laughs> over there in Wisconsin. <laughs> Um, but yeah, does anyone else have anything, any, like talking more about like family dynamics being mixed? Yeah. I feel like 
I've always felt accepted by the Japanese American community, but it's kind of interesting. On my Mexican side of the family, I would be called the Chino Primo, you know, the Chinese cousin and stuff like that. And first off, it's Japones. Second off, <laughs> I'm not Chinese. <laughs> so it, it was definitely interesting growing up and, and having those differences and not necessarily always being recognized as being part Mexican at family gatherings. Mm-hmm. And even outside of family gatherings, the Mexican-American community, as much as I want to get involved, there's a lot of times where I feel like I am pushed not to be involved. And that could just be necessarily because I may not look very Hispanic or it may be because of my name or it could even just be because I don't know enough about that culture. And I recognize that I don't know enough and I really want to try to learn more about my Mexican-American heritage and culture. It's just, it feels difficult at times when I feel like the door is closed and it's hard to get in. Mm. I also kind of wanted to bring up like siblings too. And like, particularly because I'm very light or fair skinned Mm -hmm. compared to my brother who is like Mm. a lot darker skinned. Um, And we have like different, I guess, identifying features, but I feel like his experience probably, you know, differs from mine and Mm -hmm. just because of literal skin color. I feel like I'm more on your brother's end of the spectrum in terms of like, I have always been told I look full. Like when people look at me, they just like see an Asian person. And then my mm-hmm. my twin sister, fraternal twin sister, she definitely is... I don't, I wouldn't say white passing, but she's much paler than me, you know, has a, has a nose bridge, bigger eyes, you know, the whole, all those like features that just signal to a person that there's, there's some European blood in there. And I feel like we've had really different experiences. Like she almost has more insight into the mixed or not that there's one monolithic mixed experience, but she has had more, she's had to deal with that a little bit more than me because she looks really like ambiguous and people are always asking her like what's your deal like what's all this what's up with you whereas people just assume I'm full Asian until they see that my last name is Fedorenko (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then they're like do you speak Russian and I'm like "Uh." Um, but yeah it's really interesting like that something as arbitrary as the way you look actually really shapes your experience. Yoko you also brought up the the last name piece that I wanted to also touch on because yeah I mean my my last name is is German and the thing that I've been thinking about recently is that like I've been like if when I apply to jobs like on the there's like the self-identifier section um so yeah but I fill them out anyway because I'm proud to put like I'm Latina um but anyway um so like on my resume like on my profile like my last name is Heckert and then on my like on the that survey the EEO survey um I check that I'm Hispanic and then I like show up to an interview looking Asian and so I feel like that's like, <laughs> such a funny experience. Um, it must be like so confusing for people but I I think that's funny my only comment with those like questions is that they are my mortal enemy for the main reason of whenever they say like Asian, but not Hispanic. And I'm like, yes. but I'm both. <laughs> what do you want me to do? I know. That's why I've just committed to saying, yes, I'm, I'm Latino. Yes, I'm Hispanic. Like I always just say that because the other options don't work. Like, yeah, there are some more progressive ones though that say mixed or something like that. And I think those are cool. <laughs> 
The worst is when it says other. I'm like, oh, yeah, other. (laughs) There's some that are like two or more races, but still have the not Hispanic. Yes. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I'm like, why? I I can't can't do that. Hispanic people are mixed as well. (laughs) But then that that brings me back to filling out um, like standardized tests in grade school. where they would also have similar questions, but they would only let you fill in one bubble and they'd... Oh, yeah, please pick mm-hmm. one. Yeah, please pick mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I would um, always just do I, the Asian one. Same. I just felt like I'd be lying if I said white, and I was like, uh... Yeah, generally, yeah. if it says Asian but not Hispanic, I just go ahead and fill in the Asian thing because I self-identify way more with my Japanese side than I do with my Mexican side, as much as I hate to admit it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not super like. I don't identify a lot with like being Norwegian. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think another interesting point with all this stuff is that, like I said earlier, I feel like for me, be, the mixed experience is mostly just like a really weird one. Like you're just in all these really weird situations. And I was wondering if anyone has any anecdotes about like, like for me, I don't know. I've had, you know, when you're going through airport security and you're supposed to go together with your family, I've had, I've been like yelled at for going with my dad and they're like one party at a time. And they think I'm just like following a white dude around. And I'm like, no, like I'm his daughter. Or like, I've had like weird, like one time in elementary school, my dad was picking me and my sister up from an after school program and they wouldn't let him take us because they thought he was like kidnapping us because we're these like little Asians. Um, Just like so many weird things. One time I was like after school, like when we were little, we would always give this friend of ours a ride home and we would always ride with our mom. But then one time she couldn't make it and my dad came to pick us up and our friend got really freaked out. Like, you know, there's a certain amount of suspicion about like white people. Like he's this little black kid were his friend, but and he knows our mom really well. But then this white man comes and he looked at me, this kid Wanye, bless his heart. He looked at me and said, why is your dad white? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh man, that's a, that's a tough one. I really can't explain it. Um, but yeah, those are just a few of my weird little stories. Does anyone else have any funky little memories they want to share? I, I wouldn't be able to say, like, no one has questioned my dad, because although I have a lot of Asian features, I do look like my dad as well, mm-hmm. to an extent. Like, we have the same, like, body build. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, fa- facial feature-wise, like, I'm more similar to my mom's side of the family. But, like, body-wise, I'm like my dad. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look nothing like my dad. It leads to a lot of confusion. People, people always told my sister that... I look like my mom and she looked like my dad. I'm just like, that's rough to tell like a six-year-old girl that she looks like a 40-year-old man. Yeah, yeah, it confuses people. Yeah, I think the one one that always sticks out to me is um, when I was probably, I was probably like 10 or so. But we went to the mall and went to Wetzel Pretzel and I'm with my dad who, if you see us, if you see me now, I'm five foot eight and I look full Asian. My dad is six foot four and looks like a linebacker from Russia. Uh, <laughs> oh, just a giant Jewish dude. So we look nothing alike. So I was probably ten or so at the time. Like I said, we were at the mall, went to Wetzel Pretzel uh, with my dad, 
and we walk up to get to order and the, the lady behind the counter is like, Oh, where did you find him? And I'm just like, Oh my God. Granted at the time I'm like, I have no idea what's happening, but now I'm like, uh, that's messed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember what my dad said. I'm sure he came back with something fantastic. Cause my dad's hilarious, <laughs> but he probably, he probably came up with something that made her, but that, that's the one that always stuck out to me. Oh, jeez. I, I will admit when I met your dad, Matt, I didn't even realize he was your dad. <laughs> and that's, the, that's the other thing is my friends know I'm mixed and they still, whenever they see my dad, they like take a step back. Um, I guess the experience that stands out to me is that I had uh, a best friend when I was like, I don't know, like four, five, six, maybe. And she was half Chinese and half white, but we would like hang out all the time and walk around and people always thought we were twins or like we just were sisters oh, and we looked because we looked so much alike. Yeah. We didn't look so much alike, but um, <laughs> just because we had like a somewhat similar-ish mix uh, yeah. if you generalize I guess uh, but that kind of stands out to me okay well thank you guys so much for sharing all these stories and stuff I think as strange of an experience as it is to be mixed race I personally wouldn't trade it for the world and I think you know all of our identities are valid and so much of what the signals that we're given as we're growing up um, just kind of question our very existence as mixed people but we're here to tell you that you are valid and as varied as our experiences are it's really comforting to hear from everyone and identify with what everyone else has gone through yeah just like yoko was saying we are all proud to be who we are and if you the listener happen to be mixed race we push you to be proud of who you are too we know that it can be very difficult with the upbringings that we we may have in terms of just having individuals kind of question who we are because of our mixed races but we just are here to remind you that it doesn't matter who they think you are what really matters is how you feel and how you go about your identity and remember be proud of who you are i think i said that like three times but (laughs) treat yourself with respect and kindness you are awesome is my message we love you you are the only you <laughs> I don't know that quote sorry wait we should leave this all in you that you can be um, I don't know <laughs> and with that be sure to join us for our next episode coming this December for season 2 we'll be looking to release 1 to 2 episodes a month so follow at Nikkei Rising on Facebook Twitter and Instagram for release dates episode titles descriptions and guests as well as updates on other Nikkei Rising programs. To go back and listen to all of season one, just binge it, uh, you can find the Yonsei podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Japanese American Memorial Pilgrimage's website. The Yonsei podcast, sponsored in part by the Minidoka Pilgrimage Planning Committee, is made by Hideo Adeza, Michelle Heckert, Yoko Federenko, Johnny Narita, and Matthew Wisely, with theme music by Michelle Heckert, with this episode being edited by Hideo Adeza. This has been the Yonsei podcast, and it's been Yonsei! Awesome. Um, <laughs> can, we re- can we record the whole episode? Oh my god. <laughs>